good song. God rest his soul. What's up, everyone? Paul Pasolakis, Sal Cusmano, John Flynn, and we've got special guest Ben Cross today on Not So Live on Real Estate, your source for everything real estate and mortgage related. I am under the weather. I just want everybody to know that. I probably sound like yeah. I'm, I'm a little hoarse, so I'm going to try to do less talking. I think uh, John is going to carry the show today. I'll do everything I can. Those are big <laughs> shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously we've got Ben Cross here. Uh, he is from University Moving and Storage in Farmington Hills. Um, he's got 10 years of le- leadership experience in the transportation industry, serves on the board of Detroit Regional Le- Relocation Council. How are you, Ben? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Good, man. So obviously uh, um, you're going to be talking to us a little bit about how technology has impacted the moving industry uh, and what trends you've seen over the past few years in regard to moving. Obviously, moving is a big part of buying a home and selling a home. So I think you've got some insight on the uh, on the tail end of the transaction, kind of seeing, you know, for me, it's like one of the first things that goes. Uh, it's a luxury item to have someone move your stuff for you. So I think there's going to be some good insight there. We've got three good topics today. How will the new tax plan affect housing market? A vantage score versus your FICO score. That's something we talk about a lot, uh, but we figured we just should dig into that a little bit more. And also, uh, the current housing funk, it's a little bit down, uh, is not really reflective of consumer sentiment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's start with Dave. Dave, t- talk to us a little bit about technology and the moving industry. How is that affecting what you do? Well, I think tech's is affecting all of us, right? And uh, the question is just, you know, how and how much and how fast, right? So a couple of things that uh, we're seeing in moving are differences in the way people are buying moving services. Um, you guys probably see some of that, too, on the mortgage side. And I think the other thing that we're seeing is operationally how we get information from the customer. So starting with uh, the in-home survey. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with moving or when the last time you moved professionally was, but you know, a professional mover will come out to your home and they will do a complete in-home survey of everything that you have. They'll count all your, your book cartons, they'll count all your furniture, and they'll basically say, okay, you know, you've got 10,000 pounds worth of stuff. It's going to cost you, you know, X to move to Seattle. Right. You know, do you want to do it? Right. And so uh, it's all wrapped around that weight. And so, so it's all weight based, really. Weight and distance. Yeah. Are the got two it. things that comprise a, a long distance move. Local moves are hourly. But either way, it's important to know how much you have because that's really how much you're going to pay. In a long distance move, do they use trucks or do they put it on, you know, in a, like a big shipping crate? Well, that's actually they? a really cool thing, too. So technology in a different way are, is about m- modes of transportation, right? Right. And, and we all know that like driverless trucks are the future, but right now, some of the things that are happening, um, modality, right? So you have intermodal, so you have uh, rail cars, you have lift vans, which are like international boxes that are basically hold a thousand pounds worth of stuff. So like everything that might be like in, a, in an office right. or in one room or something like that of your home are put into this wooden crate and then they can be shipped via freight uh, freight truck, a um, you know rail car, um, a boat if they're going overseas. But the other thing is um, now we're changing the way that we do these surveys and so now we're using video. Right. And so I think I think a lot of industries are going to video, video chat. So we go in and we say instead of me setting an appointment to say, you know, hey, uh, I can be at your home between Monday through Friday, uh, nine to five. I can now say, what time would you like to have a survey done? And we can engage you with a video with an app. You know, we send you a text. Yeah. Right. And it's a link. And then you can engage that. And at that point, you videotape everything that's in your home. 
somebody's on the other side of that, you know, video. Taking the inventory. Exactly. They're taking that inventory in real time and, you know, maybe, you know, advising, oh, can I look around this a little bit more? Can I get a better right. look at that? And then at that point, they've generated a survey without ever coming out to your home. That's awesome. Yeah. So imagine where we used to have salespeople that had to go out to people's homes and they might be able to do four surveys in a day. Now we can do eight or 10 from the mm -hmm. comfort of our office. And not only are we doing that, but now we can expand our hours of operation to do it on your timetable and not ours. That's gotcha. awesome. So can I, can I ask you, in the downturn of the economy, uh, this is probably a sector that was pretty hurt. Uh, people weren't yeah. moving that much, right? Just like everything else. What have you seen since, like the uptick and the and the and the rebound that we've had? I mean, is has business gone up, or is this a luxury item that people aren't using as much? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're absolutely right. So people stopped moving, you know, yeah. after 08, right? Um, so that just sheer volume of moves went down. And then also people got more frugal, right? And they started yeah. to look at how am I spending my money? What are luxury items or what are have-to-haves? And moving was one of those things that was pinched. You know, you saw a lot of do-it-yourself moving solutions come about and really flourish in that time period. What we're seeing as an industry is, 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 you know, here we are in 2017, and if I look back 10 years ago to 2007, which is interesting, right before the crash, yeah. right? Yeah. We've seen a decrease in professional, full-service, traditional moves, long distance speaking, of 31%. Over the 10-year period? Over the 10-year period. So that's about 180,000 moves that have left the traditional moving space. So uh, it was about 580,000, 580,000 yeah. um, in 2007, and now it's about 402,000 last year. So even with the rebound, we're kind of seeing people holding back on, on this kind of a luxury item to move their own stuff, right? Yeah, well, what's interesting is after, after these kinds of you know, recessions, corrections, whatever you want to call them. After that, people discover new ways of doing things, and then sometimes they kind of stick with them. They don't necessarily go yeah. all the way back, right? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, so we're seeing certain sectors that are up, like government continues to be very strong, GSA um, and, and some military, um, but national account is, is down and, and consumer is down as well. So last year, about over, uh, over last year, I think we saw a decrease of about 4%. Now, what's interesting, though, is people, I think, are still moving. I think it would be interesting to hear mortgage people and real estate uh, folks talk about transactions as well and see what they're seeing from a trend standpoint because – I, I believe that people are still moving. They're just choosing other ways to do it, you know. There's containerized options now. Yeah. There's these the pods, right? Yeah. I worked for them for four and a half years. You did? Out, okay. of, out, of, out of Clearwater, yeah. And you got, I worked for another competitor there for for five years. So I'm very familiar with that space. And then there's these other competitors that come out and they offer, you know, um, trailer service type moves. So what we're seeing is, and then combine those other options with the fact that there is about a 30% um, driver shortage right now. So that you know, so basically, as an industry, we're about thirty percent under capacity uh, for where we could be um, because you know to to get into it. But I mean, basically, being a driver is, is a very difficult job. Not only are you on the road all the time, but it's very physically demanding. Yeah. So you're seeing that population start to age out, and I think the average population for a household goods driver is about fifty four right now. So what we're seeing is that that the the full service traditional pack in haul padded van household goods move where the big the big shiny truck shows up and you have a true professional moving your household goods i believe is going to start to become a bit of a niche where it was the predominant way to move gotcha yeah you know it's funny because i just moved i don't know four months ago five okay. months ago was it and there was no way i was moving my stuff uh -huh. <laughs> there's yeah. no way i'm just i just i'd rather i'd rather have someone else do it and i'd probably do a better job but i still had to pack all my stuff right i yeah. still boxed everything 
and then they came out to my house and moved all my stuff and took it all, you know, my the big stuff and, and took it apart and put it back together in my new house. Um, moving is a pain. Oh God, I hate moving. It's terrible. It's horrible. They say they say it's one of the three worst things that can happen to you in your life, next to divorce and death. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say marriage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's interesting because you know, at the end of the day, someone has to come pick the things up, physically move them, and then move them to whichever location the destination is. But I think that, to your first point, the technology creates a lot of efficiencies, which will make it more affordable. Therefore, a lot of companies picking up the tab for the relocation mm-hmm. and, and it being a little more cost-effective for everyone to do. What we're excited about is the opportunity to be able to book moves over the phone. Now having that video interface, yeah. I believe that we're actually going to start to become more uh, more competitive. The traditional movers, quote-unquote, are going to become more competitive with some of the alternatives. The alternatives have been book- booking moves over the phone um, Gosh, I mean, for 15 years. Right. And so I believe as consumers are wanting more instant gratification. They don't want to have to wait for someone to come out right. to the house, exactly. right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's kind of an antiquated model in a lot of ways, yeah. right? So I think what we're going to start to see is that that the traditional moving industry is going to become more competitive as, as um, video technology gets more pervasive. You know, I think it's interesting. So you said you, you moved recently. Yeah. And you chose to you chose to have a, a full-service move. You chose to have movers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. What, why? Um, what was that thought process? I don't. I don't want to move. You don't want to move. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like, I didn't want to do it. How many times have you paid a mover to move your stuff? That was the second time. Second one. Time. One move we did. My 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 current wife at the time was living in Miami, mm-hmm. so we had to move all her belongings from Miami up, up to a storage bin up here. So that, that I mean, just finding the right company was hard. Mm-hmm. Figuring out, you know, are these people like certified? There's so many questions when you do a move like that. So we just chose. I mean, we got lucky when they did a good job. But like, you never know, because they're de- you're dealing with your life belongings being moved across the country, right? Right. So, but yeah, no, I just I personally, uh, I'm not really that athletic. Yeah. Uh, I've I've stopped working out since I was like 17. I don't think I was strong enough to move anything. Well, and that's what we find, right? So there's a point in time when people say, you know what, I'm no longer going to get the, the the family and the friends and the and the six pack. Yeah, of nobody beer. wants to help me. You yeah. know, and, you know, there's a there's a point when you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't ask my friends to do this, and I can't physically do this anymore. Or me and my wife or kids or whatever can't do this. And then we say, okay, or I've reached a certain economic, you know plateau where I'm making enough money and my stuff's nice enough, you know, I have enough of it where I have to pay somebody to do it. Another part of it was, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you guys, I made money on my house, right? I made made Mm -hmm. a lot of money on the house that I sold, and I was like, it's a thousand bucks or whatever it was. It was like something per hour, ended up going over, uh, they couldn't fit everything in one truck. Either way, it was like a thousand bucks. It was worth it to me with the amount of money I made and for me not to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, another thing that you mentioned, too, is is about, um, you know, we talk about technology and we talk about the fact that you had a hard time identifying what movers were kind of legitimate, you know, out there. Well, it's really interesting because now with things like Yelp. Oh, that's where I went. The internet, right? Yeah, I mean, that's where you went. And that's where a lot of people go. It's hard to find who the, you know, legitimate players are and who are the people that just created a Yelp page for themselves and rented a truck and now they're a mover, quote unquote, Right. right? And so there's a lot of that going on. And, and unfortunately, because you have moving companies that have been around for, you know, our company's been around since 1969. You have companies that have been around for 50, 100 years. 
and they weren't really quick on the Yelp revolution. Yeah. So they got beat up. They got just, mm-hmm. just terrible Yelp reviews, right? And then once you have bad Yelp reviews, you can't dig out of that because oh. Yelpers don't use it's, you. It's crushing. And you don't get any new reviews, right? So you get buried on Yelp. So you see a lot of the best movers in the country have these two-star reviews. And a lot of guys that are just renting a truck from budget are crushing it with five-star, 50 reviews, and they're getting all the new business. And what's happening is you're not – you, you know, Yelp is not a true representation of the quality of the mover. So I would encourage people to go out and actually do um, do some more research. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm one of those people that um, maybe like some of our listeners that there's three stages of moving. Uh, I've moved three times. The first time, you find out how many friends you really have. <laughs> yeah. The second time I moved, I decided to do it on a low budget, and I got some referrals from some pe- some people that didn't work out at all. It was a, just a terrible experience. They beat both houses up. The, the furniture coming out of the first and going into the second. And then the third time I finally came around and realized the real value in finding a professional and getting it done correctly. Yeah, I think, I think that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. All right, Ben, thank you for all that insight. Uh, I'm going to have you sit in on these topics for in the mortgage industry. Uh, John, why don't you pick uh, the first topic? How about Vantage score versus FICO score? Yeah, so just so our listeners know, uh, a lot of people that we talked to said they go. They went to Credit Karma to get their credit score. And then, lo and behold, when we pulled their credit, they're different. And they're like, well, I don't understand. I was a 700 here, and you got me at a 660. Why the difference? Well, the reality is they're competing models. They are competing models. They, they are not the same thing. And the unfortunate reality is no lending institution actually uses a Vantage score. We right. use a FICO score. So it, it's a little misleading. So what do you tell... The consumer sell when they tell you, "Hey, man, I had a seven hundred. Why? Why do you have me so low?" Well, ultimately, you know, it's a uh, it's a good indicator. It's like a zestimate versus an appraisal, right? So there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, but that that's are, so misleading. People think that's a real score, right? It well, it's it, a you know, basically, Credit Karma is a tool to help keep you on track. It's not going to actually deliver but you. People your score. don't know that is my point. Understood. But I mean, what else are they to do? It's just I think it's I think it's yeah. it's it's horrible. Like, unless they want to get their credit and their FICO pulled, you know, once a month, which would you don't have to. You can go to myfico.com and pull your own FICO. It doesn't affect your once score. Once a year, I believe. Either but, either way. Yeah, I mean, to your point, people don't know that they don't really know necessarily that, you know, when you're looking and you're pricing out a mortgage online, that your credit karma score is not the score that that it, they're going to be using. They're going to use a full credit report with a FICO score, which is different scoring. So I do think it's a good tool just to manage your checks and balances yeah. for the consumer. Yes. Just to keep yourself well, up to speed on it and have those alerts on it if anything goes crazy. But yes. um, I think it's important for us to be able to educate people the difference between the two, and that's part of what we do. Yeah, so so for our listeners, obviously, just know that that, that Credit Karma or that, that credit reporting agency that you're probably getting your free credit report on is not really your score. I mean, did you even know that, Ben? No, I had no idea. And I'm actually <laughs> looking, I'm looking for a house right now. And, and my score, unfortunately, my wife's been managing it. So it's been really good lately. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, yeah, it's funny. I didn't know that there was a variance. What? How much is the variance typically? It could be 40 points, 50 po- I mean, yeah. they're totally it's different models. different. I mean, it, it just uses different factors when calculating the model as where the FICO formula is so much more complicated. So... Credit Karma will say you haven't had any late payments. Right. You've got low credit utilization. Things look pretty good. Your actual FICO score 
has so many more different deeper factors that like we don't even know at some point. So so as a, as an ignorant consumer here, I'm used to seeing like um, it'll tell me my um, Experian, my Equifax, my TransUnion. What, TransUnion yeah. Thank you. And it'll give me my scores and then kind of. Is that not the information you guys are looking at? No, same exact. Yeah, we've the same three bureaus. Okay, but the bureaus report the actual transactions and the, the history. Oh. Then the model FICO model takes that information and calculates it into a score. Okay. So if my, actually, uh, FICO is actually suing Vantage because because of the misinformation. Just FYI. What, what would you recommend I use? MyFICO.com. MyFICO.com. But it costs money to oh. get your actual FICO score, though. It's like fifty bucks, just so okay. you know. All right. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, how will the new tax plan affect the housing market? I think the biggest fear that I've heard about this new tax plan is the removing or keeping of the tax credit for uh, mortgage interest. Uh, one of the biggest advantages in my mind of owning a home is having that mortgage in- interest deduction. For, uh, for those of us who are W-2 employees, we don't have a lot of deductions in our lives. And one of the biggest ones we get is from the mortgage interest that we pay on our house. How do you guys think, uh, if they were to get rid of the mortgage deduction, which it doesn't sound like they're going to in this new tax plan, but what do you think that would do to the housing market? I think it would actually be a hindrance. I mean, it would hurt, wouldn't it? I think for savvy buyers who, especially you know, uh, people who Put a mortgage on a home, a jumbo home, just to write off the interest as a tax write-off. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to hurt. I don't necessarily think that you know, Johnny, first-time home buyer, really cares about the mortgage interest as much until he gets it. Sure. So maybe a second, third time around, it might be a difference. The first time Johnny, first-time home buyer, files his taxes and he realizes, oh my God, I get money back because I paid all this interest instead of paying rent. That, at that point, it does does right. hit home, right? But I think it, it all also depends on the bottom line. And if the new tax plan, they're proposing doubling the standard deduction, I mean, how much mortgage interest are you going to write off? It's one of those things that whether they pass it or not, homes are still going to sell one way or the other. So they're still going to yeah, be people transactions. Might not, they might not put a mortgage on it, right? So like, let's say... How many people have the option to not put a mortgage on a house? More than I think. More than I thought was... I mean, Pers- you, Shoot a percentage out. 4%. it's not big it definitely is not big i mean look there's a lot of things happening with with the tax plan i don't know if it's going to pass or not i mean there's a lot of proposals in this new tax plan that seem actually to be good for the economy um i just don't know how they make up the money government wise for all the tax cuts that are coming i mean i don't know how you can just cut 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 and then where do you make up that extra revenue i mean do do anybody have an idea I don't have an idea, but I will say as a new as a new buyer that that tax credit is very it's a nice incentive to get me into the market. So I don't own a home yet. Right. right? So you're so writing. I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah, I'm writing. So you're the guy we're talking about. I'm the guy. Yeah. Right? And I'm and I haven't gotten into the market for, gosh, I don't know, 10 years, whatever. I've been following my career. I've been bouncing all over the place. Right. I'm ready to get into the market now. And I'm really excited about the tax credit. And you are excited. I am excited. So you know about, about it. it. You're aware. Well, I've been I've been educated, right? I've been told, hey, this is a cool thing. This is what we've all been taking advantage of. This is why we tell you this is the pathway to you know home ownership's the pathway to wealth and right. blah blah blah, right? And it offsets a lot of your first year expenses that you're going to incur that you didn't even think about, right? And so yep. it's always, oh, but you get that tax credit, and now you don't have that. Then I'm like, well, well time out. Is this really? Is it worth it yeah. to own a home at that point? Right. I mean, is this really a priority now for me financially? I don't right. Know. So it could be a deterrent, in my opinion, yeah. that if there's no tax credit, 
all of a sudden now buying a house is not as sexy. Well, I think if you're buying a house, you have to put a pros and cons sheet together because my pros might be different than your pros. I'm also it's like Sal's dating buyer, life. Right? This is what he does when he dates. So you know, <laughs> above and beyond the financial, you know, uh, advantages. Obviously, there's you know owning your own land, the pride, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, equity potentially down the ra- the line. But you know, a lot of things are unknown too when you buy a house, right? How mm-hmm. much is this going to cost me in unexpected expenses? How much is this house going to appreciate or depreciate in the next five years when I plan to sell it? So, lots of things to look at. I think um, you can't really uh, change what the lawmakers are going to do. So, to me, at the end of the day. If you want to buy a house, buy a house. I think the things that I would look at, you know, to offset something like that is quality of life, public public service, schools, things that where I could move my family or myself right. into that would kind of offset that tax uh, ramification. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, all right, the last subject: housing market funk does not reflect consumer attitudes. Uh, the NAR did a study basically that um, you know consumers still think it's a very good time to buy renters. Sentiment uh, went to 62%. Think it's a good time to buy from 52% last quarter. So more and more people are thinking it's a good time to buy. Although we've seen a little bit of a lull in in home purchases, it doesn't necessarily reflect consumer sentiment. So I, I, it's a funny thing because home prices keep getting more expensive. It's not getting cheaper to buy a house. Yet people, are, due to the economy and and where we're at as far as that goes, believe it's a good time to buy. Um, I mean, I guess my, my question, everybody, would be: Is what do you say to the person that says, "I want to hold off right now because I don't know that it's a good time to buy because the, the pricing is 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 higher than I wanted to be. I want to wait for the market to adjust." Economically speaking, if people think it's still a good time to buy, won't the demand still be there and c- continue to increase the price of homes over time? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that. I mean, I, no nobody in this room has a crystal ball. I have a friend that you do. Mm-hmm. I have a friend uh, as an example that a wife and three kids. He's been a homeowner for thirty years. Um, he just sold his house and he decided he was going to sign a lease for three years because he didn't like the market as it stood right now. And he thought if he moved down the line a little bit, he might have a better opportunity to get more product for his value. So there's a different ways of thinking out there. I suggested he really take a look before he signed the lease, but he was adamant about this is the step he wanted to take. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people I pre-approved, and I would say maybe 10 15% of them are, you know, I'm just going to rent for the next year. You know, they have to make a move. Let's say they, you know, they're moving for work. They might not find exactly what they want in those 30 days. They waited too long. Now they want to rent, which, okay, you know, it's not like it's going to kill you by renting another year. But, you know, I think if you really want to buy a house, you will find the one that works. So so I'm in that bucket, right, of people that are wondering, hey, is this the right time to yeah. buy or not? Because I mean, I'm looking at the grass and we kind of look like we're at a peak. Does the peak continue? Does the peak kind of come down again? Right. You know, so, so I'm kind of thinking the same thing. And I think the best advice I've been given is, you know, yeah, your home is an investment, but don't buy it because it's an investment buy it because it's a great place for your family to grow up you right know? and i have a little one and you know i need a yard and i need a place for him to go bang his head against the wall and like i need a home right, right. and that's the way i need to look at it and and even if my home loses value i'm still paying myself right um mm-hmm. and getting that sweet tax credit right you know so i mean i think that's the best advice i've heard because i've been a little tentative as well i think my strategy is probably going to be to kind of like look into the first of the year 
because I'm still going to take advantage of some of that seasonality in in the market prices and stuff. So yeah, before peak. Look, I mean, I think you nailed it. Buy a house because you want to live in a house. Buy a house because you have children. Buy a house. And, and look, if you're in a house for 10 years, the overall trend will be up. I mean, if you just look at, historically speaking, even through the crash, if you own the, owned a house for 20 years, you're still making money on that house. So just know that if you're going to be there for long term and it's your home and you love it and you've got a family, that you eventually, you know, it's a good investment. Again, tax credit, schools. Kids, these are all reasons that you should be buying a house, not necessarily looking to make a quick profit over the next three years. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's an investment into your life, right? Like you, life event. You got a little one. Like congrats, much, by the way. Yeah, thanks. How much better is his life going to be having a yard to run around in? Know, than, his life's pretty sweet you know? now, but yeah. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, uh, that's all we've got. I appreciate Ben being on the show. You gave us some really good insight into the moving industry, which is ever-evolving. Um, John? It's always a pleasure, Paul and Sal and Ben. Thanks again for coming in. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. I love you all. Goodbye. <laughs>